0: You know, Joe, there's a quote that I really appreciate, and it goes, a mistake that makes you humble is better than an achievement
1: that makes you arrogant. And that really applies to sports. That's why I've always been okay with Tom Izzo scheduling a bunch of paymakers early on and losing to them, because you kind of learn a bit from the losses, more so than you can out a win. College basketball rewards improvement more than college football. That
0: it does. <laughs> Which uh, wants you to be mistake-free. We have football to break down. Michigan played Maryland yet uh, yesterday. They're on a bye this week. Michigan State was off last week. They're playing Illinois this week. And we have a big hoops uh, schedule this week as opening night is Tuesday. Tuesday night season officially starts with Michigan State, Kentucky, and Michigan, Appalachian State. Number one versus number two on state side, and that might be a good opportunity for us to break that down.
1: This is Sparta! Wolverines! So Michigan's streak of impressive play continues with the win over the slumping Turtles, (laughs) 38-7 at Maryland on Saturday. And it got off to a quick start for Michigan as... Giles Jackson, I believe, took the opening kickoff 97 yards. I did not
0: get to watch live. I DVR'd, but I was paying attention at work. Uh, I go to check on the game. I see 10 seconds in. Michigan's already up 7-0. I'm like, oh,
1: this is going well. And then there was a quick three and out for Maryland, and Michigan got the their first official offensive possession well into Maryland territory. <laughs> so there is – it doesn't look on paper like Michigan put up a whole bunch of yards, but when your first two touchdown drives are, you know, ones the kickoff return for a touchdown and one you start very nicely in plus territory, it's not going to show up on the stat sheet like that.
0: No, and uh, there were some things that Michigan did not play a perfect game and there were was some chatter about, oh, why is Michigan doing a three and out here? And, you know, Maryland's not great. And there was a little bit of criticism, you know, uh, the special teams had some really great plays, but they also had some lapses, a missed field goal. Uh, they allowed Maryland's only points of the game came when they had their own 97-yard yeah. kickoff return. I, the line was, I think, 21-22, and I was kind of seeing a 35-14 to 14, uh, type of game. I also thought it might be kind of close in the first half. Whenever you have a performance like Michigan did against Notre Dame, and you go on the road next week, I really kind of expect wor- almost like a popcorn fart type game. <laughs> where you I just... know you worry about the uptown theory on that. Yeah, and I'm a big believer in that. Uh, Michigan, since losing to Maryland and Brady Hoax last year, is averaging 32 point wins. And they did that yesterday and they did it on the road. So that's even more impressive. You know, they won by 31 points. So I'm 95% positive. Right, and it's it'll it's difficult to ever come away from a game 100% positive. They had uh, the backups in in the fourth quarter, too. Uh, there was a defensive uh, tackle, I hope I'm not butchering his name, Mazzy Smith. Is, yeah. He got his first play. You know, Dylan McCaffrey got his first play. And I know you shouldn't pay attention to idiots on the internet, but uh, – I'm a member of a Facebook group where a certain fan has been wanting DMAC to come in all year for... Uh, Shay Patterson, and with no sense of irony after Dylan McCaffrey made a bad poor choice, he Everyone. posted that he wanted Milton in, and there was no grin. There was no sarcasm. Some people asked him, and unless he's just a troll. But,
1: I mean, I actually laughed at it. So That was funny. <laughs> it was like only one turnover in the game from both sides, uh, Josh Jackson getting picked off by Josh Metellus. Um,
0: Michigan has not had a turnover in 10 quarters. Now, they've had fumbles, uh, but they were both in that rainstorm, and they didn't lose either one of them. Um, uh, Passing wasn't great. I don't think it was bad either. Uh, Some of the play calling, they were definitely playing around a bit like they did in the Middle Tennessee State game uh, once they got the lead. So um, I still think the only thing that's holding this team back from being – Uh, top five team is the quarterback play I definitely not a Shea Patterson hater I just him and the receivers they have a high ceiling and they're not coming anywhere near it but I mean I really can't criticize the team apart from that and and I actually think it's a bit more on him than the wideouts too
1: you're a a shader (laughs) I
0: mean
1: Uh, uh, no I mean that's fair I think we've been fair to Patterson all season we mm -hmm. haven't when
0: Ronnie Bell is putting up better numbers than anyone on Ohio State, which is clearly a better offense, right? It's not the receivers that, uh, and uh, Tariq Black, who's
1: been somewhat quiet, had a couple big plays. Nico Collins, I mean, I love the guy. Yeah, two for sixty-five yesterday, uh, including a fifty-one-yard catch. And they didn't necessarily throw the ball a lot. They had they were, they were giving it to a lot of rushers. I mean, Haskins
0: has really. Come away as probably the number one back, though. Charbonnet's also having a great season. He passed Mike Hart for all time on um, freshman uh, running backs touchdowns, um, most in a season. Um, defense still played really well. I mean, it was somewhat of a boring game just because Michigan played much better than Maryland. Uh, it's good, boring. Yeah. And listening to the broadcast later, you would not know it by listening to uh, Levy and uh, Greasy, who both
1: seem very critical of Michigan for odd reasons. Michigan's really not getting the time of possession. They're just letting me. Yeah, I know the time of possession was won by Maryland, but. And it was handedly at one point, but when you're scoring off special teams. Right. Like I <laughs> and said, when you're that, scoring quick. And that first drive. Where Michigan did have the offense on the field, they only had to go 41 yards.
0: Um, We've seen both in college football and pro football. The two, the couple teams that come to mind are the greatest show on turf, the 90s Bills. You could, uh, you could say
1: the Rams last year. You had the
0: Saints, Saints. Uh, since they have Drew Brees, where they're up, but they're losing time possession. Sometimes time of possession can be a really overrated stat. If you have the lead, who
1: cares? Right. That's the most important stat. As Pat Narduzzi loves to say, stats are for losers.
0: <laughs> Him and uh,
1: um,
0: oh. Pat, Fitz, Pat, Pat Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald. They, they, they're they friends. I feel like they could have a good a podcast together, The Pat and Pat Show. <laughs> <laughs> or like a TV sitcom. <laughs> they complain about people on the internet. Too many Pats or something like that. Yeah. You know, one of them likes... Uh, Go to the ACC championship, you know, with five losses. The other doesn't like to score more than fifteen points against Power <laughs> Five teams.
1: <laughs> it has been a while for Northwestern. Oh,
0: they haven't scored. They,
1: they, haven't, they haven't scored a touchdown since October second, October fifth. Yeah. Oh, October
0: fifth. That's right. And the, the tweet was from November second. And I actually like Pat's fit. Pat, Pat. No, like you're not. You're not going to do any better. At I like Westwood. Fitz Pat Gerald. Fitz, Pat Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> and I, actually, and I actually think Narduzzi's doing slightly better than the last few coaches at Pittsburgh. Um,
1: yeah, we, um, not to get too far sidetracked, but I have been paying close attention to Narduzzi because I have kind of tabbed him as as my front runner.
0: Would you like him more than PJ Fleck
1: or uh, Lou Fickle? Yes, because I do think tradition matters. and He might stick around longer. He might stick around longer because he does have that connection. And um, like I, I've said before, he kind of has the good of D'Antonio and not the bad. Like he knows where the program came from. He's defensive-minded. And he's, he's willing to change up his coaching staff. And low-key, like I've heard some rumors that D'Antonio wants to – Right, the ship, and I think that means he's going to be sticking around to at least one more season. And he's Lansing. Um, one kind of co- one combo I might have my eye on would be Narduzzi coming in 2021 or 2022, and I'm pretty sure Adam Gaze is not going to last with the Jets much <laughs> longer. And I don't know. If he doesn't have any NFL job, maybe he could come back to his alma mater and be offensive coordinator for Pat Narduzzi.
0: Le- but, uh, Le'Veon Bell does not want Adam Gase at Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they're all good with each other, right. but you know that's. <laughs> but when I first told, I read the quote: "A mistake that makes you humble is better than achievement that
1: makes you arrogant." You instantly reacted to that, like it.
0: Like the, it yeah, it the first home. thing that
1: came to the first thing that came to mind was Antonio. You know the quote of that we got to last week of well the beauty of it is we're four and four not two and seven. Like, <laughs> I believe uh, we've learned that he was re- referencing the 2016 Michigan State team that s- started off two and zero and then lost seven in a row and that's really when the wheels kind of came off and it, to a point. I get what he's saying. Again, we're not trying to get too far away from Michigan. But oh no, no, we can mess up here. Yeah, yeah, um, we're going back and forth this week. You know, it it is a tough break for Michigan State that it just so happens the three toughest game on their schedules are back to back to back, and it again, not making any excuses for Michigan State, like oh the schedule screwed us. Like that's that's a lazy take, a sort of a dumbass question. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. I'm hoping this Michigan State team isn't as bad as they've looked. But, you know, I think if they played Indiana this week, Indiana would win. Yeah. I, I, Ryan Shulene, who
0: I like the follow, who I follow on Twitter, used to have a radio show in Lansing, and he was actually like the PA announcer for a while at the Breslin Center. He was actually saying, like, he doesn't know if Indiana would win, but they'd be favored. Right. You and you kind of have to hope if you're a Michigan State fan, that that win gives you like it gives you some it's, hope they will beat a team that they that's right. looks better than they and, thought And they is. did beat
1: Indiana when Indiana had their starting quarterback, which I think makes a big difference for them, Michael Penix versus uh, Peyton Ramsey. I almost said Gordon Ramsey. <laughs> um, but it, it was announced today, the spreads for next week, and Michigan State actually opens as a 13-and-a-half point favorite over Illinois. And I – I do for college sports, maybe not for the NFL or any other professional sports, but for college sports, I do think momentum exists between games. And Illinois, since the since halftime against Michigan, has been playing very, very well. Much like the announcers were saying at the beginning of Michigan's game yesterday, you know, the last six quarters have been great for the Wolverines. Well, the last um, what is it, fourteen quarters now have been, in Illinois standards, freaking excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And Michigan State is kind of limping into this game, whereas Illinois has new life. They're a, a went away from being bowl eligible. I'm curious what an Illinois fan would tell
0: would say to you about the games before Michigan. Because with Michigan, there were there were um, there were signs that they were building something. The defense was showing up a little bit. They were they were turning the ball over still, but less, and they seemed to be getting Somewhat of a rotation for their running backs, and things were just getting uh, cleaners. So it wasn't totally shocking. It was actually deflating in the first half against Penn State, but the second half,
1: you kind of felt like it was coming. Felt a little bit of momentum. Yeah, that would be interesting. I've never actually met an Illinois football fan, which is saying something because I've been to an Illinois football game <laughs> <laughs> um, the week the, the the two coaches ago.
0: What? Who was their coach? Ron Zook. No, the guy after that, that was fired right before
1: the season started. Uh, I forget his name, but he was doing decently, and he kind of had some kind of uh, player physicality scandal, Mm -hmm. if I
0: recall. And then the guy that took over for him, they had him on the Journey, the Big Ten show, and he's walking around campus being interviewed, and he had to tell an Illinois student, he asked him to take off the Michigan ball cap. (laughs) <laughs> and this is on campus and a student. So I, I think it's tough to be an
1: Illinois football fan. And considering their basketball team hasn't been good for a better part of a decade either. Like, usually, if you have one, then people will kind of stick around for the other. Yeah. But when you have nothing, it's, it's a little bit more difficult. It's disheartening as a fan. Yeah.
0: Like, Illinois basketball hasn't really been good since Beeline raided the ship at Michigan almost 10 years ago.
1: Right, and, yeah, I think Illinois kind of made a coaching whiff uh, when they fired Bruce Weber and brought in uh, the guy from (laughs) iRobot. The former Ohio coach? Yeah, I believe it was John Gross. He kind of looked like Sonny from (laughs) iRobot. Yes, I do, actually.
0: But, yeah. Getting back to that quote, not only does it apply to Michigan State, but I feel like it applies to Michigan because Michigan's changed up their offensive philosophy, and it's totally coincided with this ship Um and, it, and a lot of it's stuff they they were doing last year, and they've also thrown in some new things. Bubble screens—that's awesome. If you continually do RPOs, but the quarterback never keeps it, a good way to, you know, a good uh, another good
1: play to have to keep the defense honest is bubble screens, right? And I, that used to be what I like to call the Keyshawn Martin special. Uh, but Michigan State hasn't had a Keyshawn Martin in quite some time. <laughs> no, yeah, Michigan, they're kind of rolling right now. And so, so I think it, it will be a good bye week for them. But sometimes you kind of like hit a bye week and you're like, oh, At the man, wrong I just want to keep it going, you know?
0: Yeah. I actually think they have three tough games left. I think Michigan State is del- – it. If
1: if they haven't totally given up on the season, they're going to bring it. Oh, right, dig. Michigan State needs. I mean, obviously, they need to beat Illinois, and I think do it in a way where we're not biting our nails. Us, we being state fans,
0: Indiana has given Michigan fits for years. It's kind of given Ohio State and Michigan, Michigan state. state and even Penn State like fits. Ever since they decided, every good recruit they get is going to be on the offensive side of the ball, and they're just going to wing it on defense. And now they actually have a defensive coach. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really weird. Uh, and then obviously the last game for Michigan is Ohio State, so I'd really like to see them in the season strong in two thousand sixteen. You know, you said Coach D'Antonio was referencing that when they were two and seven, right? Uh, when I really wrote Michigan State off was when they lost to Illinois. Yep, and that that was loss number seven of that streak. That I actually, someone said that the Wisconsin game this year was the worst loss of the D'Antonio era. I, I think I, that was me. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I think I saw it on Twitter too.
1: Yeah, I don't think you were the only one, but. I think it marks the end for Mark D'Antonio in, in a way. And it might,
0: I might consider it the worst one too, but another contender would be that Illinois game because there was a handful of years where Illinois was Rutgers West and that yeah. probably didn't end
1: until this year. No, and um, I'm I'm a sicko, so I watched all of those games in 2016 as well. Um, so that that Illinois game was a weird one, where like Michigan State built a lead, and then Illinois came back, and then Michigan State scored with like 30 seconds left to take the lead, and then proceeded to lose the game. And that's and at that point went to two and seven. And it's not like Michigan State didn't have some fire that
0: year because they beat up on Rutgers, right? Which are kind of comparable teams, exactly, and. I think uh, they played in East Lansing for
1: Rutgers, but they played in Champaign, if I remember correctly. That's right correct, way. yeah. And quarterback play was a, an issue that year. I Quarterback play isn't great right now for Michigan State, but it's far from the issue. Um, The issue mainly lies with the offensive line for offense, I think, and then just a lack of speed on uh, the outside with the receivers. But – um. I, I do think if Brian Lewerke doesn't get hurt against Michigan in 2016, uh, uh, his rest of freshman season, he does start the rest of the year, and maybe you build to something. Right. Uh, I, I think maybe they get to five or six wins hypothetically, but how deflating is it
0: on the bye week that you get news that your defensive captain is probably out for the rest of the season?
1: Yeah. So I heard on the radio. Uh, a tease that like we have breaking news out of East Lansing coming up and it's not good. And I was like, Oh, we, we probably resigned. We probably just got Hauser denied his waiver or something like that. And so I quickly went onto Twitter. First thing I I I figured it would be the first news I see. And, And yeah, to see Joe Bashi suspended for PED, that's not ideal. I have no idea what the situation is. I know, both Bocce and D'Antonio made a very quick statement. Said they were appealing, but let's just assume he's not coming back this season. And maybe that's for the best for him because he's got an NFL future. He's an NFL player. I was going to ask you: Do you think he's the
0: second best player on the defense? Third? Or I think he first? is the best player.
1: You think he's better than Wilkes? I do. Okay. Uh, he's. I mean, middle linebacker will always be the most important position, and you know. I thought one advantage that Michigan State would have in the Michigan game in two weeks would be the ability to at least limit the run game. And if you take away bocce, then that kind of goes out the window for Michigan State. And Michigan's really improved their run game over the Penn Right, Spurs. and I still felt uh, even after the Penn State game that Michigan State could perform well against, against Michigan's run game because they performed well for the most part against Ohio State's run game. It was really through the air that Justin Fields hurt Michigan State, and then they did well against Jonathan Taylor in Wisconsin's ground game. It really seems like um, for Michigan's side,
0: since they started running things that were similar to last year, where
1: these offensive linemen got all these accolades that the offensive line played. And it kind of seemed like the rise of Haskins, yep, uh, correlate with the rise of Michigan's offense. Owaynu has
0: been one of the best offensive linemen in the country. And there was a time early in the season, I think I tend to rely on outside sources because as a fan, it's hard to really gauge how good the line is. Yeah. Um, but I know on here, I threw out some criticism towards him repeating what others had said and then pro football focus, which really looks like. They at, do their homework. Yeah. And they're like, no, uh, he was one of the best uh, offensive linemen this week. And yeah, I think he was like first team. uh All college football, not just in the Big Ten. And and, uh, I definitely think the offensive line is a strength of Michigan's. It's kind of sad, not to pick on Shea, but I kind of feel like every position group for Michigan on offense is clicking except for quarterback.
1: And Shea hasn't been. How how do you feel about the tight ends? I I, I feel like I don't really hear. McCune was hurt and he had a bounce back game last week. Okay. Uh,
0: They've also been using them more in the blocking game this year because right. they have
1: so much depth at wide receivers. So, and that was one I wasn't sure about because um, I know Gentry's gone, um, and uh, they had a who is it Spoonmaker? Sco- Spoonmaker. And
0: they also had one of the guys that could have been uh, uh, a
1: starter next year uh, transferred. But, yeah, for Michigan, um, this is, like, an an interesting time for the bye week. I think this is the third time since 2014 that Michigan's gotten their bye week before the Michigan State week. But um, we'll see. Michigan State, they just really need to have a performance on Saturday and get some kind of confidence back. But we'll see how that goes. But – Yeah, another impressive win for Michigan. They just kind of keep it rolling and then to come out on on the road and win it like that. You know, just taking care of the business you need to take care of. There's something to be said for that because you saw Notre Dame needing a a touchdown with literally 20 seconds on the board to (laughs) put Va Tech away. And you saw other teams struggling with, you know, Appalachian State-ranked team lost. Michigan um, might have broken Notre Dame. Boise State was Boise State was losing at halftime to San Jose State. They ended up winning fifty two to forty two. But I want to make sure
0: I got the tight end right. Uh, Mustafa Muhammad. Was, he transferred. Yeah, yeah. I believe he was a sophomore, but he was highly rated. Uh, yep, he was a sophomore. He was a highly rated tight end. Uh, there was a lot of chat that he might be starting next year, but uh, this year they're really trying to feature the receivers, and uh, I think Gaddis. Uh, offensive scheme tends to emphasize wideouts more than fullbacks and tight ends, and you saw Ben Mason changing positions. Um, but yeah, maybe going forward, since they really they they started adapting midseason, maybe we'll see the tight ends more. Uh, I think there's a lot of ball to go around though, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see McCune, but I don't know if you're gonna see him featured going forward. Uh,
1: that makes sense. Yeah. So, what's your prediction for the Illinois game for um, Michigan State? I, it's interesting that Michigan State opens as a thirteen and a half point favorite, and I've already seen a lot of people saying that's easy money to bet on Illinois to cover because Michigan State has not done super well against the spread this year. We find there they are two and six against the spread this year. Right. So not not ideal. Um, Illinois is 6-3 against the spread. And again, Illinois is, Illinois is coming in off of a three-game win streak, and then their last loss was to Michigan, and it was one where they showed some sign of life. Michigan State, this is they've played one game since October 12th, which is just a weird position to be in. And the fact that they haven't had like a game to feel good about since the end of September you know they've had to sit with their thoughts and then come out with the Penn State game which even in good weather probably wasn't going to go their way and then sit with sit with that type of game again and they're i think in the first 5 to 10 minutes you're going to see what kind of attitude this Michigan State team has if they want to come out and make a statement and really get ready to start the next phase of the season. Cause college football, the season really works in f- three phases. You have the first four games, the middle four and the last four. Yeah, it's
0: almost like September,
1: October and November. Exactly. And we said September like- was decent. Like you had the bad loss to Arizona state, but a lot of people weren't jumping ship at Just the yet. end, of, at the end of September. And then October went about as poorly as it could possibly go. And on the very last day of October, you get the news about Bocce, which is just the cherry on top. So, yeah. you'll you'll see a lot from their leaders, Brian Lewerke and uh, Raekwon Williams. Those are the two captains uh, who were elected aside from Bocce. So, I, we'll see. Yeah, they they really need their seniors to step up, and they need to come out with an attitude and make a statement. I see October is separation season, and...
0: Illinois had pretty much a pretty good October, and Michigan State went pretty bad. Uh, I'm looking at some of my go-to sites. Um, Odd Shark uh, predicts that State will win 28 to 18, but it also has an edge finder which has Illinois winning 29 to 21.75. <laughs> uh, it looks like uh,
1: Illinois is not a bad rushing team, though. Right, and I. Michigan State's defensive line is still very experienced, so they should know what they're doing. I really worry about the linebackers, Antoine Simmons and Tyree Thompson. Uh, and I, I think it might be Noah Harvey stepping in at middle linebacker, but when you're two outside linebackers might need to pick up a little bit of the slack for the middle linebacker, that is a cause for concern for me. And then I, the secondary just hasn't been good all, all season.
0: And this is an East Lansing this is in East Lansing, um, Illinois. Actually, has a better away record this year than home. <laughs> right, because they lost to Eastern Michigan at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're two and two and one on the uh, road. And of course, you know, you want to take common opponents, and Illinois beat Wisconsin and State. <laughs> right, <laughs> which of course doesn't mean anything.
1: Which right, which means <laughs> Illinois is apparently better than both Michigan and Michigan State. But
0: yeah, um, uh it's, this site says. They predict Michigan State will win, but Illinois will cover.
1: Yeah, and I agree with that. I would probably say it's in the 27-17 range. Okay.
0: Michigan State to win. Joe, I've been
1: asking this of all Michigan State fans. Are you ready to talk basketball? I've been ready to talk basketball since (laughs) April seventh, two (laughs) 2019. Okay, let's go. Coach, the Michigan Wolverines, after John Beeline surprisingly left... For the NBA. Milan, of course, the winningest coach all time in Michigan history. You see the others who left as well, including the outstanding freshman from last year, Iggy Brasdakis, along with Jordan Poole and Charles Matthews. This has been such a successful program. Three straight Sweet 16s. And now it's Jawan Howard picking up the mantle.
0: Head men's basketball coach for the University of Michigan Wolverines. Please welcome Jawan Howard. Tears of joy.
1: Certainly, you know the personnel with his team, including Cassius Winston, trying to do something that no one has ever done 2,000 points and 1,000 assists in his career. Get Joshua Langford back from an injury and looking to get to back to back Final Four, spring in an outstanding recruiting class. What I really mean is, I've been ready to talk basketball since April 6th because that was the last time Michigan State played against Texas Tech in the Final Four. And this week it's finally here, the tip-off, the Champions Classic. I'm kind of a fan of uh, them moving the tip-off date a week earlier than it used to be, even though in in the future it will coincide with voting. But we all know that college basketball is more important than voting anyways. (laughs) Um, Yeah, both Michigan and Michigan State had their exhibition games this past week. Michigan State... Over Albion. Michigan was over Saginaw Valley State. Saginaw Valley State. Sagtown. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Michigan opening with Appalachian State. And then Michigan State. This is, this is one of the most exciting openers that they've had in a long time. Going right into the fire. Number one versus number two, Kentucky. And Michigan State did open with number one, Kansas, last year at the same event. But this time... Michigan State is usually the the earlier game in these in the Champions Classic, and it's do you have a strong preference? This year, I'm I'm glad we got the later game because I worked till seven o'clock, so I would have been rushing home to get there. And last year, I did miss most of the first half due to working and then voting. Um, but yeah, Kentucky, as always, is just loaded with super freshmen. Uh, A couple I'm familiar with because Michigan State was going after, like Keon Brooks. Michigan State really wanted 6'7 forward out of Fort Wayne. Uh, A guard, Tyrese Maxey, is 6'3 out of Texas. Michigan State was uh, really interested in him. They also have a couple sophomores returning. I think most notably Ashton Hagens and EJ Montgomery and they added a graduate transfer from Bucknell who actually played against Michigan State in the 2018 NCAA tournament tournament 69 power forward Nate Sustina but yeah it's a it's a Kentucky team that got to the Elite 8 last year and lost a tight one to their conference foe Auburn who lost a tight one to Virginia who just continued to get close close win after close close win all the way to a championship so good for them. But yeah, for Michigan State, I love the Champions Classic uh early test because exactly for the reason of the quote that you brought up at the beginning of this episode because if you win, that's great. That's that's a good resume builder to help your seed line hypothetically when Uh, The selection show comes, even though that's kind of been a moving target in recent years for Michigan State. (laughs) And if you lose, it's like you really learn about what is the glaring hole and what is what you do well early on, especially against a team like Kentucky. And I think it helps Kentucky out too because those younger players are going against a more experienced team. And the last two time, the last time this team met. These two teams met as number one, and number two was the tip-off of the 2013-14 season. It was the Kentucky team that had the Harrison Twins, Julius Randle, Willie Cauley-Stein. I'm familiar with that team. Right, <laughs> that's the one that beat Michigan in the Elite Eight the same yeah. day Michigan State lost to UConn. Not to bring up that horrible day, but <laughs> it was the second game of the season that that year, and Michigan State was bringing back seniors Keith Apley and Adrian Payne. Gary Harris was back for his sophomore season, Brandon Dawson, Denzel Valentine was, I think that was the year he started to come into his own at Michigan State, got out to a huge lead early and then pulled out uh, a win in that one. And then the last time these two teams met was also at Madison Square Garden, but Michigan State was pretty ill prepared for that one. That was the freshman core of Cassius Winston, Miles Bridges, Josh Langford, and Nick Ward. And they were kind of like plugging in sophomores, juniors, and seniors here and there. But this is one, uh, it's it's an interesting stage, prime time, Madison Square Garden early on. At Michigan State, they are one of the national darlings early on, but they've got a fair amount of question marks, um, like their rotation, who's going to get most of the minutes at the four and the two. And I liked what I saw on Last Tuesday night against Albion, when Cassius Winston came out, Foster Lawyer and Rocket Watts, they it wasn't defined who was the one and who was the two. They kind of switched off and like traded within possessions so that Foster Lawyer, he, he's got a really nice stroke. Like that's, that's basically earned him his scholarship at Michigan State was his ability to shoot the ball. And there were a couple times that he was able to play off ball, which he didn't do a lot last season mainly because he didn't play much of anything last season, but when he was playing, he was running the point guard to give Cassius Winston a break. So I'm interested to see how the rotation works out, especially if things don't go well early in the game, which I do think this is a game Michigan State loses. But again, like that quote kind of sums it up for me. Like, especially with college basketball, it's not really about how you start.
0: Yeah, it's how you finish. You're allowed to improve. Uh, one thing I, uh, you, you tended to see B lines, Michigan teams improve a lot as the season went on. And I think part of that, you brought up uh, Kentucky and how they might get better as the season goes on. Um, that's an interesting point. I was actually thinking, you know, Kentucky, Duke, they get
1: freshmen that are kind of ready made for college basketball. Right. And last year, Duke, you know, with their super freshman. Beat Kentucky 118 to 84. Oh yeah, I remember that game. And that was when everybody was talking about 40 and 0 for Duke and everything. You contrast that with um, with the
0: type of freshman that uh, Beeline would get, whether they were ranked 20th or if they were ranked 40th coming in. They tended to need a little bit of time to improve. There were yeah. there were exceptions. Um, you know, last year they had uh, Iggy, who was ranked. 40th about that coming into his class but that was because he was an international player right if he would have been a domestic player he'd probably be top 25 maybe top 15 uh Franz I kind of think of it as the same way unfortunately he's probably out till Thanksgiving maybe mid-December
1: yeah um, and that's kind of been the same MO for Izzo occasionally he will get the players like Bridges Harris uh Deontay Davis or even we'll see but I think Rocket Watts will be ready to go he's gonna be the starting two for Michigan State it looks like. But yeah, last year's freshman class for Michigan State, I think perfectly sums up what you were talking about there. Like Aaron Henry played very sparingly against Kansas, but then as the season went on, especially when the injuries happened, he had he was kind of forced into the fire, but he he showed out there and I think he's a big key to how Michigan State will perform this season. Like if he can take a step to be a consistent threat and not just, you know, an athletic guy, good defender who will occasionally put somebody on a highlight reel. Yeah.
0: Michigan state has a lot of depth and I think that will be their calling card. And then they have a player of the year candidate and Cassius Winston.
1: Right. And it's not often that Izzo starts the year with, with a player of the year candidate. Uh, I think, Bridges was getting some talk, but there was also, you know, Marvin Bagley at Duke and um, a bunch of guys for Villanova and Kansas that were getting most of the talk. This is like really the first year, even Denzel Valentine's senior year, Buddy Heald was kind of sharing the spotlight with him. This is really the first time he's got the guy who's number one with the bullet preseason. And we'll see if he feels any pressure to play him more in these types of games. Uh, I know Izzo has said he wants to get Winston. He wants Winston to reach the 2,000-point platform and the 1,000-assist platform, and he would be the first player ever in college basketball to do it. Because it's rare to have somebody play so much throughout four years and stay a full four years. Yeah, so, you know, usually never end seen... up leaving. Right.
0: That's interesting.
1: And then uh, for Michigan, I'm I'm interested to see. I might not get to see much of the App State game, but interested to see what their offensive and defensive systems are going to look like because this is really Howard's first time running the show. So, um,
0: yeah, it was uh, interesting. I went to the exhibition game, game against um, Saginaw Valley State. It was interesting to see. You saw Teske and Brandon Johns shooting threes. And uh, watching that game, Brandon Johns, like I'm really curious that he played the five. I guess it makes sense in b system last year. It was definitely because Austin Davis was having some struggles and Teske couldn't play as much, so it wasn't, like, first uh, option for Beeline. But I almost see him as more of a three than a five. And uh, it's definitely a, a four, and he made some three-pointers, and that was interesting. And just seeing Teske still shooting the three was yeah. interesting. Especially with the – Three point line getting moved back. Yeah, and uh the women's game still has it at the old spot. So you're gonna see two three point lines.
1: That was right. Uh, I remember when the three point line first moved back, moved back a foot in the two thousand eight nine season, because uh, the women's line was still where the men's line was. All the. Time before, so that was we saw two three point lines at that point, as and well. in the nineties it was uh, much farther
0: back than either of those. Points. Right, so like in my lifetime, I've seen it move a lot, and then the eighties when they first introduced it, it was really far back. Right, they really <laughs> want to make you earn that extra point. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, it will it will it will be uh, cool to watch them play Appalachian State. I'm not super excited, other than that's the start of basketball, just because not a big-time opponent. Um, the more interesting game will be a week later when they play Creighton. Um, just because Creighton's had some success at times. Um, they were a 500 Big East team last year, and in-conference record. They didn't make the tournament. The two years before, they lost in the first round. Uh, there was a couple years where they lost in the third round. That was as they made the move from the Missouri Valley Conference yeah. to the Big East. Um, Doug McBuckets. Yep. And Greg McDermott, his dad, if I recall, is the coach. I mean, they had that run where they finished in the top 15 three straight years. Yeah. Um, And they finished ranked four straight years and two other times recently. uh, They've actually finished – okay, that's the AP high. Never mind. But, yeah, they – they still finished uh, quite a few times in the top twenty-five and have been ranked before, but they're they're a pesky uh, Big East team. Uh, they're a
1: real team, so that 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 yeah. will feel like that won't be a cupcake. That will kind of be the the real start. And it's interesting they get a, a week uh, between Appalachian State and Creighton, and then yeah, Michigan State their second like big game of the season. They'll play Binghamton on November tenth. So that's a week from us recording this podcast. And then they're at Seton Hall on the 14th and Seton Hall is the number 12 team in the country. And they have a preseason All-American and Miles Powell. And that's, that's also a game I could see Michigan state losing just because it's so early in the season being on the road. And again, like Izzo, he, he really takes his time developing the roles for his players and, who goes in when you know, and especially when you have some injury variables like Joe, um, Thomas Kithier broke his nose in practice this week, and you know how, how is Rocket Watts going to be dealing with a starting role right off you know right right as his uh, college career begins you know it's it's pretty rare for Izzo to have a freshman. Start right away. And there was the year we hit. he had to have a lot of freshmen start right away, the Bridges and Josh Langford class. But usually when he doesn't need to, he, he lets them develop in spurts in the games and then eventually work their way into the lineup if they've earned it. I was uh, a bit surprised on Friday
0: night how much playing time Eli Brooks got. Yeah. And he was also a starter. Along with Nunez, those were your wings – And I'm curious if Eli Brooks will still get that much playing time once Wagner heals. He does have very good defensive play in that. Granted, it was against Saginaw Valley State, but I was actually surprised how good he looked. Like, um, not just good against lesser competition, but confident. Because he was a very apprehensive player on offense last year. Um, I wonder if uh, the Julius will get playing time there, too. Because, obviously, it would be an exhibition game. Players were rolling in and out. Right. Everybody was, was getting a yeah. look. It was like watching your little brother soccer so, I mean, game on a Saturday. Like Stephen
1: Izzo got in the game against um, whoever they were playing against that, Al- and, Al- and in Al- their, Al- their exhibition a, game, game. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and you know, next year I'm going to be pissed when Jace Howard gets uh, playing. <laughs> uh, that was, but that that was stolen tweet. We retweeted it on our Twitter page, so not taking credit
1: for it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I Don't want to be accused of plagiarism. I'm not Drew Sharp. Uh, <laughs> so Michigan starting five was Simpson. Oh God, don't make me remember Teskey Simpson, Eli Brooks,
0: Nunez. And then Livers. Yeah, Livers. Okay, I didn't remember all five. And then
1: State, they started uh, Winston at the one, Watts at the two, uh, which I like that Detroit backcourt, um, both kids from Detroit and a senior and a freshman. Uh, Aaron Henry at the three, Thomas Kithier at the four, which was probably the most discussed position in the offseason because everybody thought Langford was going to be able to start the season. And then Tillman at the five. And I think Tillman is kind of the anchor, like – Izzo has said Winston is the straw that stirs the drink, and he is, you know, the preseason player of the year and reigning Big Ten player of the year. He won all the accolades last year and earned it. But Tillman, I think, will determine a lot as to how far this Michigan State team goes because it gets overlooked that he put up 19 and 9 against Zion Williamson uh, in the Elite Eight last season. And I know he, he was a year older than Zion Williamson, but. You know, when you have a generational talent like that and they both played the majority of the game, um, yeah, Tillman might be one of the most overlooked players in the country just because of the fact that he plays with somebody like Cassius Winston. Yeah,
0: I I would really like Tillman. I think he might actually have the best NBA future of any of the players
1: on Michigan State. Yeah, possibly of anybody in the state at the current moment. Yeah, but... Um. Yeah, so I think there are a lot of variables with both Michigan and Michigan State. Um, Michigan State still doesn't know the status on Joey Hauser, but being that two days away from tip-off, I think we can safely assume Joey Hauser will not be playing this year, which would have been a big help for Michigan State, uh, especially with Thomas Kithier having a broken nose and Marcus Bingham really not looking ready when they played Albion. And Malik Hall, I think he's physically ready, but he's just a freshman. And Michigan State, while they have depth at the four, they don't have experience. And Joey Hauser would have brought a full season's worth of major playing time from Marquette to that. And, like, everybody from Michigan State at the four kind of has something different. Like, Kithier is very even-keeled. He's a good rebounder. And the coaches have said he just works so well with Xavier Tillman, which is why – probably the biggest reason he's getting the nod and Bingham has length and he can really stretch the floor because he was a guard in high school and then grew into his 611 frame but he still has a, a nice outside stroke and then Malik Hall is a probably the best athlete of the three but Hauser kind of had a mix of all of those players and yeah not getting him I especially with the news about Josh Langford. I, I'd be shocked if Josh Langford plays this season. Um, so Hauser would have been a big addition. Yeah, Michigan I don't think State. he plays either. No, and he – originally Josh Langford said he wasn't going to take a medical redshirt, but now he's kind of backtracked and said he's looking at all his options. Yeah. Well, what do you think – what's your prediction against Kentucky? Against Kentucky? Um, I'm Based off what I saw against Albion, I think Michigan State – turns the ball over a few too many times. I think it's a close one, but I think Kentucky just based off of how much talent. Like Michigan State, I think has the depth edge, but Kentucky can just throw more talent. And I think Calipari, usually his teams don't turn the ball over quite as much as those teams, especially early in the season. So, yeah, I could see Kentucky taking this one. But it would probably be something like 75-71 or something like that. Okay. I expect uh, Michigan to kind of have
0: scoring droughts like they did last year. That's, uh, that's uh, one area that Rachman uh, really helped them with two years ago. He could yeah. start runs and end runs really well. Um, unless Franz Wagner, once he gets back, he changes that. Um, like I said, I really like Eli Brooks' uh, defense unless he just makes huge improvements in his offense. I really want the Julius who's more of a point guard, but can is probably going to play it's the kind two. Of a combo. Yeah. Wagner, uh, Nunez, who I was curious if he would start or if another player would emerge, it was kind of like, uh, uh Livers yeah. could play the
1: three or he could play the
0: four. I was kind
1: of surprised when you told me that Nunez was the other starter at the wing. He, he's a shooter. He can hit some shots and, he didn't look bad on a Friday night.
0: Um, he didn't play a whole lot last year. Uh, keep in mind that uh, last year's recruiting class coming in was compared to um, the, the Glenn Robinson, Gary, Spike, Stauskas. Yeah, the 12-13 class. LaVert class. Um, yeah. And besides Iggy, I don't think a,
1: many of them got a whole lot of playing time. And I think early on Michigan State will probably miss – they'll probably notice how much they miss McQuaid on the wing uh, because McQuaid was kind of a rut buster as well. And he had a couple games, particularly the the Big Ten Tournament Championship game, where he got hot and just became somebody you could toss the ball over to. And he was – when he was confidently shooting it, you know, he he was on another level. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State's going to – the two spot and just wings
0: in general, yeah. like whether they get this transfer, the injury to Langford, McQuaid going to NBA, and then the injury to um, who broke his nose,
1: Kithier. And Kithier, Kithier will play. Uh, it's just the fact that he's now going to be limited. So foul trouble, I think, becomes more of an issue now with that. And I I do really like Rocket Watts. Izzo said he was shocked at how far ahead. Watts was as a defender versus what he expected coming in. Um, Because when you have a player that can score like Watts could in high school, you usually don't get a defender in that as well. But Izzo has kind of compared him to Appling and Gary Harris as freshmen, which is high praise in in Tom Izzo's courts. I do like uh, Michigan State's
0: depth. I think looking at the Michigan side, what do these sophomores do? Can they give them depth? And I'm talking about Nunez, Castleton, Johns and DeJulius, and probably only one of them will start. Yeah. So not a lot of pressure is being put on them, but can Castleton come in and give uh, Teske eight to ten minutes? Can DeJulius become a factor in the backcourt? So Nunez is going to hold his starting spot? Uh, either Eli Brooks or him is going to lose it when Wagner comes back. Can, right. Bra- can Brandon Johns give Livers eight to ten minutes of rest? and uh going forward i think that will be the difference between whether michigan is biting their teeth on selection sunday or if they get a,
1: a they feel favorable seed yeah right and then uh for michigan state i think it's interesting when watts comes out of the game do you put lawyer at the one winston at the two i've heard talk of aaron henry going to the two and gabe brown coming in at the three it's also unlikely that Kyle Ahrens plays on Tuesday night against Kentucky. He's dealing with an ankle injury right now. So, and Ahrens is kind of somebody you can plug into two or three different spots on the court. Like pretty much anywhere except for point guard and center, Kyle Ahrens can step in and play that role. But we'll see. Questions for both backcourts. Yeah. Yeah. But frontcourt, you know, Xavier Simpson is established, Cassius Winston is established. They're both about. As familiar with each other as two-point guards at rival schools can be at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, big men, too. Tillman and uh Tuske. Tillman and Tusky. Yeah. that's right. I, I feel like those are kind of the backbones for both teams. And then you have these freshmen like Watts and Wagner. And, and I, 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 I do
1: think Malik Hall is going to play a big part for Michigan State, especially early. I think Livers. I, I feel like Michigan has like four X factors,
0: but Livers might be the, the biggest one. Livers might one. be the one, yeah. yeah. It sounds like he put on 20 pounds of weight, and he's still moving up and down the court fast. Nice. Yeah,
1: so it's interesting. I'm excited. Excited to get the season underway and add some hoops talk to our plate weekly. Yeah, and going forward,
0: Michigan doesn't start off with necessarily the biggest opponent, but starting in late. November, they have Iowa State in the battle for Atlantis, then they'll play the winner of
1: Alabama North Carolina. Then they're at Louisville on December 3rd. Louisville is being talked about right up with Michigan State about uh, number one team in the country. Or, then uh, I, favorites in March.
0: Iowa comes to Ann Arbor on the 6th, three days later. Then they're at Illinois, who we were talking about in our first segment. And then uh, – Their big home game will be uh, Oregon
1: on uh, the 14th. So that's a lot to be excited about. That's right, and we're excited to get to all of it, and I think that gets to everything we wanted to get to on this one. Yep. Who is Paul Bunyan? American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who along with his Blue Ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown.